The Detroit Pistons suffered their 43rd loss of the NBA season at the hands of the Orlando Magic. However, in this game, we did get to see the core four play quite a bit of minutes together. We'll talk about how they looked, how each one looked individually, and a bunch of other things in today's episode of Locked on Pistons podcast. You are Locked on Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked on Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and easier. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the core four minutes, which we'll talk about in just a second here. Um, And then I also want to compare the Orlando Magic's young core, their rebuild. Compare it to Detroit, what we saw in this game today on Sunday, um, and just what the differences are. Uh, between these guys and then also my deadline expectations at the end um, of this upcoming season or up this upcoming trade deadline I should say um, for the Detroit Pistons but something I want to start doing at the beginning of every episode let's have some fun and let's have some trivia Um, so I'm going to put this screenshot on the screen here this is is a synergy chart here I'm going to read it for everyone that's listened to it on the podcast Um, but for those of you guys obviously who are watching on YouTube you guys can see it on the screen um, but this player, the trivia is this player played for the Detroit Pistons within the last 10 years. What I want to hear from you guys is, one, what player is this? And two, what season is it from? So I'll go ahead and describe it to you, and then we'll get into the rest of the podcast. So first thing, pick and roll ball handler. They have 386 possessions in this season. They were in the 67th percentile. Transition, 100 possessions, 45th percentile. Spot up, 75 possessions, 44th percentile. Isolation. Only 37 possessions, 55th percentile, and handoffs, 22 possessions, 81st percentile. So almost 400 possessions as a pick-and-roll ball handler and nothing else coming nearly as close to it, and they were pretty good in the pick-and-roll at nearly 400 possessions in that season. What Detroit Piston is that? It is from the last 10 seasons. What season is it from? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter. Whoever gets it right will be shouted out on the next podcast. Um, but let's go ahead and get into this game from the – uh, Detroit Pistons lost to the Orlando Magic. Um, in this game, the Pistons, I thought the first half of this game was extremely entertaining and fun to watch. Um, the Detroit Pistons, I, I thought, I know over the last few games, a lot of Pistons fans have thought that, you know, they, they had looked good and they were having fun. I disagree. I was not having fun watching this team. I don't feel like they played good basketball at all the last few games. I thought they scored more, but their defense was horrific. In this first half, I thought they were generating decent offense, and I thought they actually were playing good defense as well. Uh, they shot 45% from the field, 46% from the field in the first half, 18% from deep. But a lot of those were – they were generating open looks. So they were playing good offense while also playing really good defense against the Orlando Magic. Um, and they were only down by three at halftime. And in route to that in the first half, Jane Ivey had an amazing first half. He had 16 points of 6 of 8 shooting. Kate had 10 points on 3 of 5 shooting with 4 assists and a steal. Um, Asar Thompson had a fine first half. Uh, Jalen Duran had 11 points in the first half. So. 
first half of this game I thought was pretty entertaining. Now, the Pistons ended up losing this by double figures. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is that you got to see Cade, Ivy, Asar, and Duran play for a good chunk of minutes in this game. And a lot of times, the fifth guy out there with them was Boyan Bogdanovich. And if you guys remember listening before this season, the lineup that I wanted to see start for the Pistons right out the gate was Kay Cunningham, Jane Ivey, Boyan Bogdanovich, Asar Thompson, and Jalen Duran is because of one, how good of a rebounder Jalen Duran is, and two, how good of a rebounder Asar Thompson is. I thought they could make up for having Boyan um, at the three and having a smaller guy, I guess, at the four, because I don't really view Asar as a smaller guy at the four because of how he plays. And we saw that lineup for a lot of stretches during this game. And I thought it, it showed some pretty good results. I thought defensively they held up better than I, I would have expected with Boyan out there. Um, Jay and Ivy's been giving good effort. I thought this was one of Cade's better defensive games of the year as well. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job. And outside of at the end of the half, um, at the end of the first half, turn the ball over like they did. They, turned, they had like three turnovers in transition at the end of the first half. I thought that really sunk how the lineup overall looked. Um, but even with that lineup, and despite those turnovers, you start to see the Pistons use, like I've said, playing a SAR and Jalen Durant should not be a death wish. Having those two guys on the floor should not just be an automatic L to whatever offense you run out there. There is plenty of ways to make it work. And one of the ways that you saw the Pistons utilizing it was getting a SAR in screen action while Jalen Durant is on the block or cutting down from the, the short corner. And you saw that, I believe, on like three back-to-back-to-back plays. And two of them ended up in a SAR Thompson dunks, and one of them ended up in a Jalen Durant uh lob dunk and a few other possessions where they tried to use a Sar Thompson as a screener ended up with open kick out threes and guys just were hitting threes today boy on Bogdanovich I believe was one yeah one of seven from deep Kevin Knox was oh of two um Alec Burks was one of three Monte Morris was oh of two Daniel Gallinari this game was oh of four so guys just weren't hitting shots but I thought the Pistons were were showing the potential of of that, those four offensively and generating open looks. You know how one of the things I always say in the podcast is I gen, are I I value process more than the results. So if like if you go through bad process and you get results, it's not going to mean as much to me because I don't think it's sustainable. Then if you're if you're chucking up half court shots but you're making them, I'm not expecting you to continue to do that. That's just bad process. You got lucky basically. When you have good process, more often than not, you're going to get good results out of it. And that's how you generate good habits and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in this game, I thought you saw the Pistons generating good offense. I thought guys were just missing shots, but you will live with that. Other games when guys are just hitting tough shots and Burks is going fire from deep and just hitting crazy shots and Boyan's hitting crazy shots, that's not sustainable offense. That's not a good process. That's just relying on a guy going crazy. In this first half, I thought, and usually I'd say most of the time with those four on the floor, they were generating open looks. They were generating good shots. They were creating good offense. Whether guys hit the shots or not, doesn't matter. I thought those four looked good on the floor together offensively and defensively. I think they looked better than even I thought they would um, defensively. Um, and a lot of that I thought had to do, again, with Jane Ivey's effort defensively. Kate had one of his better defensive games of the year. Um, but really, a star Thompson, who had 17 points, seven rebounds, three blocks, a steal, assist, seven of 10 shooting. You're starting to see, again, if you play Asar more than 20 minutes, he played 27 minutes in this game, and you just get him involved in actions, you'll start to see him stuff the box score. You'll see him impact the game in every which area. Uh, so you start to see that in this game. I, again, I thought Jane Ivey played spectacular, especially in the first half, cooled off a little bit in the second half. Um, but I thought Jane Ivey gave you guys you know, a real close look at him, his potential as a three-level scorer. 
him hitting shots from deep. He had two threes tonight, finishing around the rim and really showcasing that two-foot floater that he's been uh, using as of late. I thought he played a really good game. Um, did have three turnovers. You probably don't want to see three turnovers because he does have lesser usage than Cade. But I thought overall, really good game from Jane Ivey. I thought he was absolutely spectacular in the first half. And Cade, I thought Cade was a little slow uh, at times in this game. Ended up 6-14 of 14 from the floor. Didn't turn the ball over much. Didn't have a turnover to the end of the fourth quarter. Seven assists, 18. I think you can clearly see that he's getting back into game shape. And still, you know, I, I said last week when he came back from injury, I was expecting him to start off slow because every time we've seen Cade come back from injury, he starts off slow returning, then gets back into, back into the groove of things. So I expected this to happen. Um, the real concern for me, though, um, I thought the four guys together overall, I thought they showed some good process offensively, which is where people really were questioning if they could work. If Boyan shoots better than one of seven from deep, I think maybe the Pistons have a chance in this game. Or if Gallinari shoots better than 0 of four from deep, the Pistons have a better chance in this game. The biggest concern for me, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm eventually going to get a guest on the podcast to talk to me about this. I want to talk with somebody that has watched a young big man be bad defensively, that became good. And I want to find out, are these things that Dern is doing concerning or are they just things young big men do? And, you know, it's going to happen. It is what it is. Because Dern has been pretty bad defensively this year. Outside of those first three games, he has been pretty bad. And in this game against the Orlando Magic, he was really bad defensively. And some of his mistakes are just really, like, I don't, like, to me, watching it, it looks troublesome. But, again, I know that he's extremely young. And before the year, I said that, you know, young big men are usually not good defensively. You're not expecting them to be good defensively. But he's not – I wouldn't say he's taking a, a taking a step defensively either. So I don't know what to look at. Is it just young big man stuff? Or is the stuff he's showing us on film more than just young big man stuff? Maybe it's – oh, it's this is pretty concerning. Um, there's a few plays where he just didn't even try to guard Franz Wagner's game, give him open threes. Um, they put him in pick and roll a lot in the fourth quarter and just went right at him and he wasn't taking away the lob or the drive. Just And these are, this is stuff that he's been struggling with throughout the year. Um, he has gl- uh, glimpses where he just dominates defensively sometimes. He'll have a, have like a stretch, like a, a few-minute stretch where he just does some great stuff defensively. Again, the first three games of the year, he was fantastic defensively. But more often than not, he's really struggling defensively. So I, I, that's what I would really like to find out. How much of this do people believe is just young big man stuff? And how much of this is actually concerning? This is something they need to address and should be concerned about stuff. So I don't know which, you know, what stuff goes in which bucket. You want me to be honest? I'm not going to come on here and lie to you. I just know that it's not good defense, and I want to figure out how much of it is just he'll learn as he gets older, and some of it is, yeah, that's that's pretty concerning. So um, that's my biggest concern that I saw from the core four playing their minutes tonight. Um, but overall, I thought they looked good. I thought Ivy looked really good. I thought Cade looked good for most of the night. I thought Asar looked fantastic tonight. Um, and I think if they can continue to get minutes with Boyan and other, another guy that can shoot, whether it's Boyan or someone else they maybe they trade for or whatever, I think they can build that chemistry. And that should be the main focus of this team for the rest of the year, getting those core four guys minutes and seeing how they play together and utilize them the right way. I thought tonight was a good step in that direction despite the fact that they lost this game by double figures at the end of the night, I thought it gave you some promise um, and things to be hopeful for. So let me know what you guys think about that comment section down below or over on Twitter. Did you guys like what you saw from the core four? Um, when we come back, I'm going to compare Orlando versus Detroit. Watching this game, there's some things that stood out. When you look at the Detroit Pistons rebuild and then you look at the Pist- or the, the, the Orlando Magic's rebuild, two teams that you expected to be like going against each other for years to come, 
that kind of started rebuilding around the exact same time, except Orlando's way ahead and Detroit's way behind. What's happened? What's the difference? I want to talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy. In fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make that process easier for you. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and even quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. They don't regret it. You won't either. Again, it makes everything about finding the perfect candidates. At the start of the new year, you want to have your business be as best as possible. You want to try to get your business on the right track. And the best way to do that is to get the right people in to work with your business. And LinkedIn is the best for that. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Again, with linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. And then I got to tell you guys about another one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash locked MBA and get on your way to being your best self. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest, whether it's big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. And it's important that you let that out instead of letting it stay inside and build up and up, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. And whether you're just trying to get better at one of your strengths or maybe trying to strengthen one of your weaknesses, therapy is there for everyone and no one should be ashamed of doing so. Therapy, again, is there for everyone. If you want to try, give it a shot. Go ahead with better help. If you're thinking of st- starting therapy, better help is the best way to go about it again because not only is it entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule, you can also swap therapists at the snap of the fingers just like that. If you get a therapist you're not vibing with, you want to switch, you can do it just like that entirely online. Again, it's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. So visit betterhelp.com slash locked MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked MBA to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review. And whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, that's another great way to support the podcast. So the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons, I would say, started their rebuild right around the exact same time. You know, you can maybe argue that maybe the Orlando Magic got a year ahead, maybe the Pistons got a year ahead. Like, But I'd say they started relatively within a year of each other. They, they were right around the same time. And a lot of people thought that the Pistons and the Magic would be like two teams rising up at the same time and to go against each other around the same time. Um, and that has not been the case thus far. The Orlando Magic are sixth in the Eastern Conference, avoiding the play-in at 27 and 23. 
And the Detroit Pistons, as we all know, are the worst team in the entire NBA and are currently fighting the 1973 Philadelphia 76ers as the worst team in the NBA with the worst record of all time. Uh, we'll see if that actually ends up happening. I know the Pistons gotten three wins over the last 12 games, I believe. Um, so, it, you know, if they continue to go at that pace, they'll avoid that historical uh, record. But it's still on the board. Um, either way, you see the big difference between the two. Orlando Magic are going to be in the playoffs. The Pistons are going to be battling for that number one uh, draft pick again in the lottery. So what happened? What's the big difference between the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons? Well, I think number one, by far, I think the biggest the biggest difference between these teams is one team very clearly has an identity and what they're trying to build around, and another team does not. The other team, one team knows what they want to be, and they build towards that. Another team is just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing whatever sticks. And the stuff they're throwing at, they're not even throwing it at like a sticky wall. They're throwing it at a wall that's just slippery, so nothing ever sticks anyways. Like, that's the difference here. Um, what I mean by that is this. If you watch this game against the Atlanta Magic today, there was a stretch in the fourth quarter. At the end of the fourth quarter. Now, the Pistons were close in this game. The Pistons had every chance to win this game. Every chance. Every chance to win this game. But there was a stretch at the around seven-minute mark. It was a five-point game. The Pistons were down by five. The Orlando Magic sub in Paolo Bencaro. In the lineup that they're playing out there with, they're playing Paolo Bencaro. They're playing Franz Wagner. They're playing Jonathan Isaac. They're playing Jalen Suggs. And they're playing, did I say Wendell Carter Jr.? I meant to say Wendell Carter Jr. So they had Wendell Carter Jr., Paolo, Franz, Suggs, and Jonathan Isaac. That was the five that they're playing out there against the Detroit Pistons. How many points do you guys think the Pistons scored after that? How many points do you guys think they scored? At the seven-minute mark, the Pistons had 90 points. After that, the Pistons scored nine points. The Pistons could not score at all against that team because that team has built themselves on defense, and they buy in to being a defensive team, and they've made moves to be a defensive team. The Orlando Magic are the fifth in the entire NBA in defensive rating at 111.4. They have lineups that can absolutely suffocate you on the defensive end of the floor. What are you supposed to do? Seriously. And, and if, if, if Suggs isn't on the floor, it was Gary Harris. Like, what are you supposed to do against a team that, that goes out there and puts out on the floor Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, Paolo Bencaro, and Franz Wagner all at once? Like, all of those guys are 6'8", 6'9", and above. Jonathan Isaac is one of the best defenders in the entire NBA. He doesn't play enough minutes because of injury concerns, but his minutes are starting to go up. He played the entire fourth quarter. He was a plus nine. He had two points. He, he is one of the best defenders in the entire NBA. Wendell Carter Jr., another really good defender. Franz, a fine defender. Paolo, a fine defender. You want to know what's the same between all of them? They're all big, they're all long, and they're all strong. You can't, there's no attacking their mismatches. There's no attacking someone on the floor. Oh, that guy's a weak link. There is no weak link. And they are, again, their size makes it incredibly difficult to attack them on offense because they, if they, if you just, if they just all put their hands out like this, all put their hands out and arms out to the side, they cover the entire floor. Passing lanes are so small. They, I believe they're they almost towards the top of the league in steals. 
Like they generate steals. They make every shot tough on you. You can't drive to the rim against them. You've got two really good rim protectors in WCJ and Jonathan Isaac. They decided that defense was going to be what they built their team on. And then they went out and acquired players that actually built that identity. They actually reinforced the identity. And now they're a good team. And they're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. On the other hand, what did the Detroit Pistons do? Well, in the offseason, you heard them talk about they want to be a good defensive team. Oh, and they want to acquire spacing. We want to get better spacing on the floor. Oh, and we want to be a defense, better defensive team. That's what Detroit's all about. That's what all the good teams in Detroit have always been about. Who did they add in the offseason? Joe Harris. Monte Morris. Nothing else. So they didn't acquire spacing. Joe Harris doesn't play. Monte Morris has been out the whole year, and he hasn't been very good since coming back for the last two games. And then what do they do defensively? Asar? That's it. Asar Thompson's the only guy they acquired. And Asar Thompson has been playing less than around like 20 minutes a game since like game 13. So they don't have an identity they're trying to build on. On either end of the floor. They didn't acquire pieces to try to build an identity on either side of that floor. It, it, this team doesn't, the Pistons do not have an identity. They don't know what they want to be good at. They don't know what they want to hang their hats on. Right now, they just have a bunch of random talent on the floor and say, here you go, go do something. That's what they're. That's what it is. And that's the big difference between the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, you can look at other players and say, yeah, well, you know, they got Franz. He's a really good player. They got Paolo. He's a really good player. Like, obviously, they have good players. They have good talent. But they won the way, and obviously, they got lucky, okay? A lot of it has to do with luck. They ended up getting the third pick or second pick in the draft, first pick in the draft, whereas compared to Detroit Pistons, fell to five multiple times, okay? Yeah, some of that has to come down to luck. But the Orlando Magic knew that they wanted to build their team around big wings. Paolo and Franz are their best players, both of them, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, above. Wendell Carter Jr., good defender at the center position. Jonathan Isaac, another good defender. Gary Harris, a vet coming off the bench. Guess what he is? A good defender. Markel Fultz, another guy that plays with him, a fine defender. Jalen Suggs, a really great defender at his position. Another guy that they drafted, Anthony Black. Guess what he's good at? Defense. Like, they have bought into being a great defensive basketball team. And they went out there and they've attacked that. The Detroit Pistons have not. They haven't chosen they want to be a good defense. They haven't chosen they want to be a good offense they don't know if they want to be a fast team they don't know if they want to slow the team down they don't know if they want to be a physical defensive team they don't know they don't know anything they don't have an identity at all they just go out there and play basketball and that right there is why the Orlando Magic are so far ahead they had a plan and they went at that plan immediately the Pistons we keep getting told have a plan but we haven't seen any resemblance of a plan in four years that right there is the is the exact reason why the Orlando Magic are going to be in the playoffs this year and why the Detroit Pistons are going to be at the top of the lottery again for the fourth straight year that's why that's why and and it's i feel bad for pistons fans because they have talent on the team they just haven't it, it is what it is that right there is the biggest difference for me what do you guys think about that orlando detroit what's the biggest difference in how they've gone to where they are let me know in the comment section down below or over on twitter at kooka hill when we come back trade deadline just a week away under a week away uh, what are my expectations for the deadline as of right now? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate. I don't know if I'm going to be celebrating, man. The Lions getting knocked out I, and the two teams in the Super Bowl. I'm just not too big of fans of. But everyone who has, who is going to celebrate, 
from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday has always been about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, placing some super and winnable bets, and FanDuel is the best place to do this at. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. A few years ago, when betting became legal in Michigan, I didn't know where to go, but I tried out FanDuel, and I have not turned back since. Extremely fun. So many things to do, and again, like I've said many times, is extremely self-explanatory. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on today to sign up and get that $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Just another thing I wanted to reinforce about this, uh, that last topic we just had. Um, at the beginning of the year, the Detroit Pistons seemed like they wanted to go defense. And after 11 games they, or 11, 12 games, switched. Went full on offense. They haven't turned back since. So even, even midseason, they're they're juggling identities. Midseason, they're juggling what they want to be, what they want to do. It's 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 it's, it's rough. It, it that kind of thing leads to what we've seen, which is one of the worst seasons in NBA history, along with not making moves to to go down either route of an identity. It's 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 rough, man. It's rough. Um, but anyways, the NBA trade deadline is in just a few days. What is my expectations of the deadline? Well, if you happen to be living under a rock and you haven't heard, Zach Levine has undergone season-ending surgery on his foot. Um, so I think that absolutely takes him out of the race, you know, or it takes the Pistons out of the Zach Levine race, even though it wasn't really a race. No one else was interested but the Pistons. Um, but I don't think the Pistons are going to be interested in him anymore. Uh, I've seen a few people say, well, the Pistons could be interested in him still. Just trade the expirings for him. Maybe they get him for even cheaper. Uh, maybe the Bulls will chat something to get off his contract and the Pistons is going to next year waiting for him to be there. I mean, maybe. I, like, I, I, I really don't see that happening. I get why people would say that, but I don't think that's in the cards here. I think they're out of the Zach Levine race. I, I don't think they have interest in that anymore, but who knows? Maybe they do. Um, outside of that, I've told you guys this now a few times, and I'm going to continue to feel this way. Um, I think that the Detroit Pistons, as of right now, they are not going to do anything at this deadline. I think deadline's going to come and go, and I think they're going to have done nothing outside the Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari deal. I think that's the only deal they're going to do during the season. And then I think, if I have to make a prediction, I'm not joking when I say this, I think what's likely to happen is the Detroit Pistons will not make any moves. And then after the trade deadline, you'll get a, a press conference or a statement from one of Tom Gores or Troy Weaver after there, whether it's right after or not, I think somewhere between after the trade deadline and the end of the NBA regular season, I think somewhere in that time you will get a statement from Tom Gores or Troy Weaver that says something along the lines of, Troy has a plan for this offseason. 
and we're and we have a ton of cap space we have a ton of flexibility and we have a plan for this offseason you guys just everyone just needs to be patient and allow troy to make this team better end quote that that's going to be the along the lines of the quote you're going to get i i feel like a lot of pistons fans i've just realized this a lot of pistons fans seem to think that the trade deadline will come and go the detroit pistons will not make any moves and then because they made no moves at the deadline Tom Gores will fire Troy Weaver at the end of the year. And that's why a lot of Pistons fans don't want any moves made because they think, one, they don't want they don't trust Troy Weaver to make any moves. And two, they think that will be like basically signing his own papers and a new guy will be in the offseason try to reconstruct this team. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I don't think that's the case. I think Tom Gores is sold on what Weaver is wanting to do. And if they don't make any moves at the deadline, I think that all but confirms that Troy Weaver has sold Tom Gores on a plan for this offseason to be patient and allow him to cook this offseason, and that's what's going to happen. I don't think anyone's going to lose their jobs this year. I don't think I think the Pistons could lose every game from here on out, and everyone would still have their jobs. I don't think Troy's going anywhere. I don't think Monty's going anywhere. I don't think Arn's going anywhere. Arn tell him. I don't think anybody anyone is going anywhere no matter what. I, I think they're going to be right here. So I don't think they're going to do anything at the deadline because I think they have completely convinced themselves that despite what the product on the floor is, despite what fans want, Troy has a plan for this offseason. Or he might have a plan, whether he actually does or not, who knows. But I think that's what he's trying to sell. I think that's what they believe, that they have a plan for the offseason to save this whole thing. And, you know, that's what they're going to go for. They're going to tell fans to be patient. They have flexibility. Look at the cap space, yada, yada, yada. And everyone's just going to have to be patient to the offseason. That's what I fully expect to happen. I'm not going to be shocked at all when it does happen. But I do think a lot of Pistons fans, based on what I've seen and read in the comments or read on Twitter and in the community, I think fans are going to be surprised by that. And that's what my expectations are. So uh, do I think that's the right move? No. I've said for a while they need to make moves at this deadline. And if they weren't going to make moves, then they need to make moves within the organization. I've said this over and over and over again. I don't think this is a hot take at all. With all the stuff going on around the organization, and then also with how bad the losing is this year, historically bad in the fourth year of a rebuild, it honestly just stuns me that no one has lost their job. That that's like those two recipes. I just it's just shocking to me that no one has like is on the hot seat and no one's gone. And it also shocks the hell out of me that this team can be this bad and they're attached to this many players on the team. I'm not even talking about the core four. I'm talking about the likes of Boyan Bogdanovich. I'm talking about the likes of Alec Burks. I'm talking about the likes of Demonte Morris. Like the fact that these guys, they have such high value on them where they need like 200 first round picks to move off of them on a team that's this bad. It's just, I don't agree with anything this team is doing right now. Whether it pays off or not, I guess we'll see. It's been four years and it hasn't. So history tells us it's not going to. I don't agree with the route they're going, but I think this is the route they're going to go. They're not going to make any moves. And they're going to keep everyone around in this offseason. They're going to sell everybody on them being aggressive. And we'll see how aggressive they actually will be in a weak free agency class, which most players that are available in this free agency class probably is going to be traded or sign an extension with their current team or the team they uh, get traded to, and then makes the free agency class even weaker. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think, if you want me to be honest, and this will be the last thing I say, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. The Pistons entire, their entire, I, don't, I can't confirm this, but I think their entire plan has been just hoping that the second apron rules with the salary cap force a team to give them somebody for free. Like that's what their entire plan hinges on. 
They don't want to give up Cade. They don't want to give up Ivy. They don't want to give up Duran, and they don't want to give up Asar. They can't get nobody in free agency because one, no one wants to come to Detroit, and two, good free agents, they're great free agents, aren't actually free agents. They never actually hit free agency. And based off Troy's comments before the year, talking about the tax apron and how they've sized themselves up with this salary, with this space and these expiring contracts, I am in the complete belief, and I am completely in the camp that think that they are simply their only hope. They are they have put all their eggs into the basket of they're going to get one of these star players for free that a team is up against the second Abram. They just want to get out of it and they have to give away somebody and get off of them. And I think that's what I think that's what their sole plan is about. And if that doesn't happen, they're screwed. That's what I think. If they don't get someone to give them someone for free that's on a big contract, it is what it is. GG's like that is GG's in the chat. It's over. Like that, I think that is their sole plan. And if that doesn't work out, it's over with. So we'll see what happens, man. That, that's why I think it's going to happen. So we'll see. Let me know what you guys think is going to happen. You guys agree, disagree. Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kooka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Until next time, peace out.